Welcome to our house with one of Australia's leading auctioneers, Rod Amos, and buyer's agent, Matt Sharp. And now for your dose of information and observation about real estate across the nation. Let's go live to your host, the voice of the National Rugby League, Steve Allen. Episode 44 of the Our House podcast, Matt Sharp alongside me from Sharp Property Buyers. And look who's back, Sharpie. Uh, Let's give him a a standing ovation. Back from uh, Lombok and the waves looked absolutely incredible. You had a a fantastic stopover in KL as well on the way. Tell us more. Well, that's the beauty. I I had 11 hours to kill in KL. Phil that I went with, he had to do an overnighter there with his flights. But you can get the express train from the airport right into the heart of KL and about... 35 minutes, put him up in his room, then I jumped a couple of extra stations, took him to Chinatown, and we had an absolute ball there. We feasted at Fat Boys, Footpath <laughs> Chinese Barbecue, with all the locals. You know, you, you pick up a beer from the 7-Eleven across the street and sit back down at your plastic stools. But we went to the markets all, you know, just spent good six, seven hours walking around Chinatown and on the way back to KL. Were there many families at the surfing spot you're at? Funny enough, yeah, look, there was. It caters to 40 to 50 people, like couples. Um, we were the only single guys there, but there was people with a couple of young kids. There was even a family that came across from KL, expats working there, just decided to do something different. Didn't even surf, but they just came there. They probably only did four or five days, not the full two weeks we did. But no, it was fabulous. Nice. Would you recommend yeah. it? If I was going with Mate, Jackie and the kids? It is actually a really family friendly setup run by an Australian New Zealand couple who now live in Australia but it's all separate you know you've got your own big lodgements everything separate your accommodation goes um, mm. but as far as the food and like we we, we would grab on mountain bikes and doing rides around the coast and things like that as well too we might have to share some of Rod's biggest waves on our, our house page on Facebook some uh, absolute bombs yeah are there some photos of you in action it was only one it wasn't a better wave it was just happened to be a guy that just happened to be out there and grabbed his little GoPro from the boat, but it was only one. It's good. But no, look, funny thing was I arrived there, there were two other kneeboarders there, and one of the guys that served <laughs> yeah. better than anybody else was a guy 40. He's an army guy on a bodyboard, but he serves the south coast, and he charged. This guy did really good. Didn't hold back from anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah can't wait to hear more over a couple of coldies. Uh, we do this show all thanks to Smith & Sons Renovations and Extensions. A uh, little later in the show, Kane Rayner will join us from Smith & Sons at Oatley. And I was having a look at some of the jobs that he's doing at the moment. One of them is rebuilding a termite-damaged home in Lugano. The other's a heritage balcony and facade in Forest Lodge. And he's also doing a garage that's cut into sloping land at Warrenora. So some really challenging jobs there, Rod. Yeah, he's all down towards our Shire end of things too there at Oatley. So, so that's, that's kind of the western area of the Shire. Going to be really interesting again, as you said, with the heritage ones. You've got plenty of properties like that that you need to have considerations in some of the more established areas. Hey, boys, uh, coming up soon, Dr Andrew Wilson. So we've had another interest rate rise, which came through this week. In the US, it went up even more, three quarters of 1%. Everywhere in the world at the moment, looks like they're trying to tackle inflation. Look, that's it. That's a big pressure affecting just about every economy, isn't it, Matt, right around the world? We do seem to be faring better. I know it's kicking up towards the high sevens by the end of the year. Eight rod is what they think it will peak yeah. at. Well, we're still under what most of Europe and the States are facing at this stage. But again, the only tool that you really have that can be effective with the matter is these interest rates. Yeah, it's funny. And I guess what caught my eye was last week the CPI 
increase of, I think in Queensland was 7.9% or high sevens. Sydney, I think it was high sixes, mid to high sixes, which is just crazy. But what caught my eye, I was actually in Brisbane earlier this week just for, for work, looking at properties and whatnot, but we're seeing these interest rate rises. But I can tell you now, Brisbane as a city was absolutely heaving. It was busy. We're at a restaurant on a Monday night down under the Story Bridge. There were people out and about everywhere. We had to book to get in. The restaurant was full. So there aren't... There don't it was s- Melbourne Cup day even in Brisbane. The day, day before Melbourne Cup, yes, correct. But this is the thing. People are trying to obviously slow down the spending, discretionary spending, but it, it's difficult to see how much of an impact it's actually having. The other thing to consider is how would you feel if you're in the hospitality space? I heard one of the um, government representatives on the news the other day mention that they want to stop people from spending money at restaurants. It's just like, geez, you wouldn't want to be a restaurant or a cafe owner. It's just crazy. But that was a difficult thing that the October, the retail spending was the highest that it's been in probably three years. We thought it was high during lockdown, but October was apparently extraordinary, the amount of money spent through retail. And I think every single industry you talk to, they're struggling to find staff. So there's a million jobs if you want one. Yeah, there is. And it, it's the only, I guess it's the only string that they can pull, can't they, Rod, in terms of, you know, to try and slow down spending. They can only really raise interest rates. It's the only one that's effective. And I mean, I think that's a difficulty in this economy. You've got some people are doing so well now the economy's back. Hey, boys, what caught my eye? So I was looking at realestate.com and I watched a couple of videos and it's a guy, you might know him, Sharpie, Shannon Voss, who was the winner of The Block, I think back in about 2014. So he bought a California bungalow in Sydney and they put two videos on realestate.com.au and what he's done is just cosmetic renovations and he's told the audience what his top tips are. So you go inside the home and it's flooring and he's put down tiles and he said, don't worry if the home's cold, you can heat the tiles. Then he's done, he said, too many people do downlights. So he said he's got gallery lights where you can direct to some kind of feature within the home. Then he's gone neutral white with paint. Doors, he's put some fancy doors on timber doors. And then they've redone the bathroom totally. But he said it looks like they've got 10 times more space, but they actually haven't increased the space at all. They've just opened up the bathroom. Then the other video shows the exterior. Outside, he put a pool in. There was already a pool, but they took that out, put a brand new one in. And he's done a composite recycled deck, so it means no oiling. And he also says he's done the roof because he said that's huge in terms of aesthetics. He said a lot of people forget to do the roof. And then he's done an aluminium batten fence at the front of the home for street appeal. And it looks like it's about eight or nine foot high. So he said that in total he spent about 200000 The home cost one point three. When he finished all these cosmetic renovations, bought the real estate agent in, she says now it's worth about three mil. Now, that is a current market story or going back to the end of last year uh, market story? Current market story. They just released it this week. Yep. If you get the chance, check it out on realestate.com.au. Wow, you know, if you've got some vision, some foresight, you're buying the right spot, Sharpie. I mean, your brother's dabbling in this kind of area himself, isn't he? Yeah, and it's critical that you get the location right. And and obviously, if you know what you're doing from a builder's perspective and there is, you can save some money on major construction that's usually obviously the best way to get a great outcome but how long ago was that property purchased did you say it was 2013 i think it sounds like he only bought it two or three years ago yeah wow wow great story look one good thing to hear you say about that is a roof so many people work from the floor up 
And truly, roofs, one of the things that's really going to nail you as far as building a pesterate board done. If there are any issues with it, I'd get rid of those tiles and put a beautiful colour bond roof in. Certainly immediate appeal from the street. And again, that's, that's going to limit how many negatives you might get back on your pestum building as well too. So that's what caught my eye. And Rod, you've got some great numbers on properties that are 5Ks from a CBD Hit us. It sounds really good, doesn't it? Domain put one out yesterday. That's a D- Domain Property Group. The 25 suburbs where you can buy a house within five kilometres of the CBD for less than one million. Now, that's really good news. Sad news is none of them happen to be East Coast cities, but in Adelaide, Northern Territory and WA, around those capital cities, you are certainly able to buy. In fact, the most affordable is West Perth, medium price of 485000 I've sold properties for a family who are actually got their rig, their four-wheel drive SUV, and are doing a holiday across after having bought the southern beachside suburbs. Now, demographically, it's probably really similar to where we're looking around Wombrel or Terrigal. They're about 1.2 kilometre level walk to the beach. Beautiful old full brick, four bedroom, huge block of land, about 950 square metres, and they paid $740,000 for that one. Uh, big renovator. But again, you've been dealing with some of these suburbs, for instance, in South Australia in particular. Matt, what's your take? Yeah, a bit of a middle ring there in South Australia is where we typically like to target, but incredible value there for money, uh, especially in Perth. Uh, what it offers over there in terms of lifestyle, it's amazing. Um, but there's some suburbs here in, in South Australia that I really like, um, Richmond in particular, uh, so sort of in the western parts of, of Adelaide or you know just hanging off the off the main CBD there, and also Victoria Park uh, in Perth as well, another one that you should really keep a bit of an eye on as well, just yeah, great locations uh, and absolutely flying. That's down towards Fremantle, isn't it? Yep, correct. Yep. Okay, halfway between Perth and Fremantle. But again, when you look at the options and buying, <coughs> difficult years, you normally need to be able to have a job and employment in that city you're going to. But there's still options for people that are young enough, if they're prepared to move, if they can move with their jobs, roles and training, there's far better value out than there is on the Central Coast, Sydney and most of the East Coast right now. Hey Rod, uh, your voice this morning. So you've been clearing your voice a little bit. Sounds like you've been on the bourbon and we we encourage responsible drinking. I think but, it's still the, 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 the takeout from 12 hours of Melbourne Cup day. Yeah, but while yeah. your voice is like this, just repeat after me. You ready? I'm Dexus Meridius Maximus, leader of the armed forces. I'm Dexus Meridius Maximus, leader of the armed forces. No relation to biggest dickers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love it, mate. Great stuff. Just a quick one on this uh, report. With the hey, 25... can you do that too, Shelby? No, can you do I that can't. too? I can't. Texas Meridius, mate. <laughs> leader of the armed oh, forces. Get a deepest, uh... The the twenty five suburbs <laughs> where you can buy a house for under for under a million dollars and within five kilometres of CBD. How important is that these days? Is it? Is it important now on the, after COVID with flexible working conditions and, you know, obviously people being drawn to regional areas? Do you need to be that close to a CBD? Well, lots of people do. If you've got a retail store or an outlet or something like that, if you're, a lot, you're lying, if your business is based on the population in there, it sure helps if you're handy to, <laughs> and somewhere you do have to front up for work. Mm. Not all of us, like lucky as ourselves, be able to work. Well, people tell me I work remotely all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> But that's it. Some people do have to. If their business, their career is based in the heart of a city, obviously if you can cut down their transport time, that's a huge benefit. Mm. One of the ones that stands out for me, boys, is Burswood, which, uh, you know, where the casino is in Perth. But that whole east side, that's just sprawling at the moment. And there's a lot of new developments there as well, Sharpie, and that's 
probably an area. Now, Burswood, I think it says here it's over 800,000, but I think you could pick up a unit in some of those new developments a lot cheaper. Yeah, units definitely in the, in that area, especially some of the newer high-rise buildings that are being done there for sure, but certainly an area that's uh, growing. There's no doubt about it. We're privileged to have this guy on our show. In fact, it dates back how long, Rod? Dr. Andrew Wilson joining us. Probably 15 years, would you say? I reckon it's 12 years, isn't it, Andrew? Yes, it would be right. It's yep. been a while and how time flies when um, you're talking about the housing market. Yeah, uh, Dr. Andrew Wilson, Chief Economist of My Housing Market. And you said you actually missed the Melbourne Cup on Tuesday uh, at 3pm because there was something else happening in the country that all eyes were on as well. Well, that's right. It was interest rate day, of course, the Melbourne Cup traditional RBA meeting. And, uh, um, you know, probably a reasonable result, really. I think all things considered, I think the Reserve Bank's taking a bit of an even-handed approach to the inflation problem. And um, I think another 0.25% increase was, uh, you know, quite, quite a reasonable result. And I think we can be, you know, content with that. The Reserve Bank's not, uh, you know, getting tempted to throw out the baby with the bathwater, you know, with uh, another half a percent rise. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's that's a reasonable response from the Reserve Bank. It's always interesting when it does coincide on the same first Tuesday in November, isn't it? And it always will do. But look, again, the Melbourne Cup was a bit of a harder one, wasn't a bigger field there. I didn't put any money on a horse, had a fabulous time, but I did have a little personal wager of 0.25%, thinking there's another two months <laughs> if they need to catch up yes. on it. But again, of course, yes. it's either going to be 0.25 or 0.5. Yes. And I think the analogy was 0.5. If it had gone 0.5, that would have meant, if anything, the economy was too healthy, wouldn't it? Well, that's right. And uh, I, th I think one of the important uh, statements that were made by uh, by the governor was that uh, uh, they've been again a little surprised with wages growth in Australia. It's been underperforming according to their projections, and uh, that's actually a good thing because it means we're not paying you know ourselves higher wages and then spending it and pushing up prices. And that's the sort of energy that's happening in the US and the UK at the moment, where uh, they're certainly in. Uh, well, perhaps, you know, a, a lot uh, stiffer straights than Australia. And uh, they announced this morning, of course, in the US that they've whacked up their rate by another 0.75%. And that's three point or 4.75% increases in a row for the US. So uh, it's a lot different to here. Yeah, they're huge increases. And good morning, uh, Dr. Wilson. Fantastic to have you on, on board again, mate. Thanks for joining us. Um, we were talking about this, Rod and I, um, earlier, but... Is this the only way that the government can slow down the economy? Because, look, I was in Brisbane earlier in the week for, for work and I've got to tell you, it was a Monday night. The city was absolutely jam-packed. We had to book to get into a restaurant. They were turning yeah. people away. Restaurants, yeah. bars were busy. Doesn't seem like anyone there is in, in any sort of financial trouble at, at the moment, that's for sure. Well, look, uh, I think this is, you know, we're, we're all post-COVID now and, um, getting out on on with our lives and this is really the case everywhere people are traveling people are uh, entertaining themselves and um, spending money we had the retail sales figure out like figures out last week for uh, for September and they were very strong again we're still spending uh, and uh, but as I said I think that the key to Australia is uh, as long as we can keep a lid on our wages uh, perhaps we'll uh, fingers crossed see our economy just sort of easing or our spending patterns easing um, you know, as we sort of work into our savings and, uh, we, you know, we can't cover the, f the fall in real wages, which is occurring. 
and that'll just moderate economic activity. So, and if that occurs, that's a perfect world. But uh, you know, without having to you know put up interest rates a la the nineteen nineties and uh, create a recession. You mentioned around uh, the interest rate increases in America. Yeah. How much do we follow those guys at the moment, or are we a completely different beast? Well, as I mentioned before, the, the big difference is we're not paying ourselves immediately, which is happening in the US and the UK. They're, they're chasing their wages. Are, they chase very quickly higher prices. They have a different wage setting mechanism. Uh, the US doesn't have the same sort of safety nets that we have. Um, so what that means is that, you know, in times when there's plenty of workers around, wages are low. Uh, but when there's not a lot of workers around, then wages respond quickly and, and start to rise. And what happens, you know, in inflationary periods is that can cause wages and prices to start chasing each other. And, and that's not a good situation. And uh, that looks like what's happening in the US at the moment. But we don't have that at this stage anyway, that, um, you know, position where wages are chasing prices and then prices chase wages and off goes inflation and it's very difficult to control. So at this stage, um, things are certainly a lot better in Australia than they are in the US. Why our interest rates are so much lower. Dr. Wilson, what would you say to middle Australia about interest rates? Because my wife consumes a lot of news and so I feel at times that she can be sucked into some of the the doom and gloom when it comes to financial numbers and also interest rates. Uh, the other night she had a dream about spiders, which is financial. <laughs> so yeah. I, I think she's a bit of a litmus test as to how people are feeling about interest rates. Well, I think that, you know, uh, we're, we're seeing a, a, perhaps a bit more of a, a circumspect attitude from consumers in Australia in regard to interest rates. It's always scary. We hadn't had an increase for 10 years. We, we get a lot of the doom and gloom coming through when rates start to rise. And of course, um, you know, the property market particularly sits on its hands for a while. But I think that um, really consumers have have got on with business. And I think we're seeing that in our property markets now, uh, particularly the Sydney market, where uh, there are certainly signs that that market is now starting to bottom out. And I think it's just, you know, perhaps we're a little over the doom and gloom through COVID. And, um, you know, as I said, retail sales, property markets, they're all looking a lot healthier now. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I think that that's what the Reserve Bank is is focusing on more local, uh, our, our local issues rather than what's happening overseas. Dr Wilson, a, a figure that was given to me going back only a couple of weeks ago was was fairly enlightening. You might have another take on it too. And that was one of our, our local building society lenders apparently has a default ratio getting up to 0.4 of a percent. Where a CBA going back two to three weeks ago, it was over 6%. Now, default being people are just asking for extra time or reduction on mortgage rates. So that is what we call mortgage stress creeping in. Any other figures or analogies you have to that scenario? Well, Rob, the official data still shows us that um, our mortgage defaults and arrears are at record low levels. The one thing we need to watch in terms of um, you know Australians managing their mortgages is the unemployment rate. And that's what really starts to put the kibosh on, you know, being able to, to meet your mortgage, and that's if you lose your job. Uh, and as we've seen in periods where we have had uh, higher unemployment rates, Australians will do anything to hang on to the home. Um, and uh, I think we've got a long way to go before we have problems with, with mortgage stress. Of course, with real wages falling, it does become tougher to meet your mortgage. But, um, you know, we've got uh, a booming economy, record low unemployment, Wages are still rising and uh, people are out there spending. 
Um, but uh, so I, I don't think we've got any real hard evidence to suggest that mortgage stress is becoming an issue in Australia. Yeah, Dr. Wilson, you had an article come out today. Is that correct? The value of new loan commitments? Yes. They, they fell. Can you tell us more about that? Well, we it was interesting, actually. We had a bounce in, uh, we've certainly seen home loan lending or home lending falling, which is no surprise given particularly the boom we had last year, record home lending, record home prices. Uh, and that creates those sort of affordability barriers that start to sideline buyers. As well as a lot of a lot of the pent up demand from COVID was uh, was also satisfied. Uh, so no surprise we start to see home lending ease. Um, but um, the, it's interesting that the the August numbers actually weren't too bad. They just went down slightly. Um, but the the numbers yes that were released uh, yesterday uh, were for September, and they actually showed a start a sharp fall over the month. I think one of the issues that the ABS has is that they're adjusting their uh, see, their, their seasonal adjustment figures were all out of the whack because of COVID. Um, so we do get a little bit of inconsistency month to month with some of the data. And I think a lot of that is the measurement process. But we shouldn't be surprised that home lending is down. But uh, levels are still quite reasonable, you know, considering the highs that we've come from. Now, the other indicator is always the auction results as well. Now, yes. despite the looming interest rate, I think everybody that attended an auction last Saturday realised that rates would be going up in three days' yes. time. And yet the average across Australia, Dr Wilson, was still two-thirds of properties yes, going to auction had sold, and, one, and almost a half of those were sold prior to auction. Well, look, I think it's interesting, Rod. The last time we spoke, uh, there, I think we were sort of, you know, projecting perhaps there were some green shoots, you know, perhaps there were some uh, reasons to be a bit more optimistic. But certainly that's consolidated that uh, position in the auction markets over the last month. We've certainly seen the Sydney auction market rising from the high 50s into the mid 60s um, in terms of clearance rates on the weekend. And, uh, you know, I, I think we might even get close to a 70% clearance rate in Sydney before the end of the year. And of course, once we start heading to those high 60s, we're sort of moving out of the neutral zone, which is where it's, you know, sort of evenly balanced between buyers and sellers. There's no doubt it's still notionally a buyer's market in Sydney and, and the other capitals too, with the exception perhaps of Adelaide. But um, nonetheless, it's improving. There's becoming more competition for properties out there uh, and clearance rates are rising. And as I said, I think once we, if we can get to a 70% result, uh, it really does indicate that the market's uh, starting to swing in favour of sellers. Well, Sharpie, that's what Michael Yardney said when he came on the show last episode, was that he sees the pendulum swing maybe in the first quarter next year. Yeah, he does. He's, he, his uh, observations were once the dust sort of settles and everyone sort of gets more accustomed to the new interest rate levels, people will be more confident to, to jump back into the market. Well, I think the, I think the point is that um, we have a booming economy at the moment. And I think once the, the, the grey clouds clear in terms of all the negative press, and we still get a lot of that now, people are just shrugging them off and, you know, they've got a job, their wages are rising, the phone doesn't stop ringing from people wanting them to work for them. So I think let's get on with life, you know. And uh, once they see that the, you know, the sky is not going to fall in, they're just, you know, getting on business. And that means, and they're, you know, they're, they're purchasing, obviously, at, at record levels and uh, in terms of um, retail sales. But it also means they start thinking about that big purchase, which is um, another home. Look, and the pressure is still there with the lack of, a, of housing out there. The government's been mentioning yes. other policies about affordable housing. That's going to be four to five years before that trickles through if it's land releases and whatnot. So, again, it's simply supply and demand, the old story, Dr Wilson. Yeah, and trickle's the word, right? I mean, you know, <laughs> I'm, I'm, was, was it an aspirational target? Well, that's a great 
phrase, isn't it? An aspirational target. What does that mean? If you don't make it, well, it doesn't matter. We're just aspiring anyway. So, you know what I mean? But uh, the aspirational target won't even meet the new demand coming in. I mean, we've got borders open, um, you know, 200 plus thousand a year looking for somewhere to live. And, uh, you know, and that doesn't account for just the, the normal uh, build-up of, um, you know, local local household formation. And, uh, you know, we're just not going to be able to match even with those aspirational targets, a, a demand for housing. And, uh, you know, all we have to do is look at the rental markets to see what a horror story that undersupply is for tenants. You know, rents are going through the roof, queues of potential tenants lining up for available properties. Uh, we're clearly undersupplied and, um, unfortunately, I don't think there's much we can do about it. Probably not in my lifetime, I wouldn't be thinking, <laughs> either, Dr. Wilson. Now, I'm just wondering, we, we've forecast to have another interest rate rise in yep. November. It's still on for another 0.25 in December. Are we able to catch up with you around about the middle of December, just so I get a bit of a snapshot, finish <laughs> off the year, and then... Again, as we always do with your pre-Christmas, a little bit of crystal ball gazing. That would be fabulous, uh, Rod. And, uh, I'm, I'm not even sure we might. Well, well, the odds are we'll get another interest rate increase in December. But December's a bit of a non-month for the RBA because nothing really happens. We're all sort of pushing into holiday mode. And uh, that's why the Melbourne Cup decision usually is the meaty one of the year. Um, so you never know. We might get a, a steady as she goes result in terms of no rise in uh, in December, which would be quite interesting. But we can discuss that when next we speak. Yeah, Dr. Wilson, uh, you're getting a uh, standing ovation this morning <laughs> from the entire team. Uh, oh, that's very nice. Thank you so much for joining us. Best wishes. We'll talk next month. Yes, we will. Look forward to that. Thank you, guys. And joining us now from Smith & Sons Renovations and Extensions at Oatley, it's Kane Rayner. And Kane, mate, are you doing the garage that's cut into a sloping site? Are you doing the termite-damaged home in Lugano? Or are you working this morning on the heritage balcony and facade in Forest Lodge? What is it? Warren Aura job, the garage. That's actually uh, footings are getting inspected today. I've had all the steel fixing done, uh, ready for concrete tomorrow. And uh, today we're working in Lugano on a termite-ridden house, which we're rebuilding. It's down on the water on George's River for a $30,000 job, and it's up to around two fifty at the moment. Looking at the map of where you guys are, so I know you're not far from Bankstown. I'm hoping you're a Bulldog supporter, but it looks like <laughs> there are some suburbs where you are surrounded by waterways. So I'd imagine yeah. some stunning renovations you're doing. Yeah, definitely. The one we're on now is uh, probably only about five metres out of the water, so... Uh, so it's quite beautiful down here, yeah. And Kane, can we get a bit of your backstory? So you've been in the business for over two decades? Yeah, so I started out uh, wall and floor tiling and then um, slowly worked my way into carpentry and building. And then uh, once I finished my builder's course, I was already uh, I was at 35 or something. That's why I moved over to Smith & Sons, just to uh, give me a bit of a kickstart and to get moving. Yeah, we've heard some great stories about why some of the team have joined Smith & Sons, and it sounds like no one can say no to Mark McNulty. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, but it's great to have that level of support, as you say. It is such a challenge in the building industry. For someone like yourself, as you say, you start off with one trade, worked your way through others, got your builder's licence, and you really need to understand every single trade person, their aspect that you're working with, employing and contracting, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. The support we get is second to none, I think. It's, it makes life a lot easier, especially 
Hey, Kane, what have been some of the highlights? What have been some of the best renos you've done since you've been part of Smith & Sons? We've done like some re- a rear extension on a uh, terrace house in Tempe, which came out quite nice. Uh, that was a bit of a challenge in itself as well, but um, dealing with a 120-odd-year-old house. The one we're on at the moment is uh, quite quite bizarre because we're building from the top down because it's all termite-ridden and the clients are still living in the house, which is oh, it's a good, good learning curve. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> we've, we've got the whole house on props and, yeah. It's a, <laughs> wow. All right. Right so, right, so the bathtub's on sawhorses. <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> With the termite damage, Kane, was that after someone had just purchased or have these particular owners been there for some time and they just started noticing some, I guess, um, you know, some activity. What 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 was it? Yeah, because it is your worst nightmare, right? Yeah, they built it. These guys built it forty years ago, and they just, I suppose, haven't done the upkeep with the maintenance. And they had a leaking uh, balcony. We're just going to rebuild the balcony, and and once we uh, took the tiles up, we just realised that the whole thing was um, termite ridden. It was shocking. They were up into the roof as well, were they, Kane? Yeah, we've just pulled the roof off this week. Oh wow. Well, what the, well, you picked the right week again for it, mate. Well done. Yeah, planning, planning. We, yeah. we, we won't finish a level below, but we thought because the sun's out, we'll rip that roof off and yeah. get cracking. So. It's a hey. good lesson for people out there. I think like once a year, once every two years, you should have a pest inspection done on your own property. It probably only costs you about 150 to $200. Look at it as though it's insurance in some way. And if you're going to buy something, always get a building and pest inspection done as well because it Definitely, could save yeah. you tens or hundreds of thousands in, in this case. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, this this place is surrounded by bush and it's on the water. It's a good breeding ground for uh, termites. So yeah, hey Kane, uh, earlier in the episode we mentioned about a renovation in Sydney, a California bungalow, and it's the guy that won the block back in 2014. So his name's Shannon yep. Voss. We stepped through it that he bought a house for around 1.3, yep. but he did a whole bunch of cosmetic renovations, largely cosmetic, to yep. about the value of 200 thousand. He's just right. had the home valued, so no structural change apart from dropping in a new pool. So yeah. it's now been valued around $3 million. So have you got any words for listeners about the value of doing a fantastic renovation on their home? Oh, definitely, because most people want – these days they want everything finished. They just want to open the door and 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 everything's complete. So um, there's not a lot of people looking for the fixer-upper anymore. Look, it's a funny thing we've noticed here too is certainly we've the, the high-end market is really strong and all those buyers, they don't want to go through a renovation. They literally want to buy the turnkey property. They're coming up here specifically correct, from the northern beaches, northern suburbs, so it's half the price of the similar demographic area. But they yep. want to be able to walk in, open up the key and have everything done. And we've noticed that that's been a huge shift. Yeah, yeah, I'm actually looking to do that myself like try and buy something older and uh do the renovation and try and flip it over hey kane uh, great to talk to you this morning mate uh best wishes no uh, to you and is it your wife beck as well who's the backbone yep. of the operation yep she is <laughs> best wishes for christmas to you and beck and the family and uh look forward to catching up in 2023 Thank you. That is Kane Rayner from Smith & Sons Renovations and Extensions at Oatley. Boys, that is episode 44. Great to see you back in the studio, Rod, a.k.a. the Man Cave. <laughs> Thank you. And, Matt, again, that sounded like a really interesting trip up the Brisbane. We might discuss a little more with a bit more time about what the trends are up there. Auction rates are dropping up there, but as you say, it is still a bustling area up there and 
so many people still making the move north. Yeah, yeah, we'll dive into it next time we're here on the podcast. And also, I can't say too much right now, but I have a very interesting auction I'm attending on Saturday for a client, and we'll talk about that as well. By the way, if you love the show, make sure you subscribe and follow us. Uh, We're also on Facebook. Matt's got his own podcast called The Dining Room Table, and I'll tell you, it's keeping pace with our house. But uh, well done, Sharpie, because you've gathered a following and can't wait for the next episode, episode seven. Yeah, thanks, mate. Yeah, it's something that I really enjoy uh, and looking forward to jumping back in the podcast with you next week. That is episode 44. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time on Our House.